Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Top Bins with Twins. This is Luke here. And Paul. Hope you guys are doing really well. Um, it's been a weekend full of Premier League soccer. It has been amazing to have it back after the international break. I think Paul and I can readily admit to the fact that last weekend we were really, really kind of missing out on the Premier League football. It was a dark time in my life. But we, but you survived. It was very dark. Collectively, we survived, and we're here. We're back, the clouds have cleared, and we're very excited. We're dancing in the sunshine. <laughs> yes, we are. That would be a great video to put for us to put out. I think we could. That Dan- could be arranged. Dancing in a field of sunflowers. That would be wonderful. Your dance well, moves would go viral, Luke. Oh, they are legendary to say the least. <laughs> Those hips do be lying. <laughs> <laughs> Those hips are magical, Paul. Uh, I don't know about. I don't know. About okay, that, well, let's get back to the topic of the Premier League before we go too far away from this. Um, so this weekend we had some pretty impactful matches from the top of the table to the bottom. This is a huge weekend, Luke. It was, and there's still impactful. There's still a lot more to come as well, which is very important for every Um, part of the Premier League. So opening up the weekend, we had Manchester City with the four to one thrashing of Liverpool. And the highlight from this match that I just want to point out is since Pep Guardiola has decided to put on a turtleneck sweater, it seems like he's turned into a villain, right? A villain. He's done all these things, right? For example, after um, City score, did you see him try to um, get Simicast to shake his hand? No, I didn't did see, you see that, this? actually. I missed that. So they celebrate. He was celebrating, and he tried to get Simicast to shake his hand as he was walking by. And then he, tried to, he was kind of celebrating in the face of a Liverpool trainer as well. So um, it seems like that Pep is kind of playing City into Liverpool rivalry. Yeah, no, he you could definitely tell for City this this meant a lot for them to get that one. I think they thought this could be a big trap game for them, and you know if if they don't get those three points, that's that's a huge loss for them in the especially race. without Holland too. Right, exactly. So big win for them. Um, one of the more noteworthy matches of the weekend, but we also had um, at the top of the table Arsenal winning four to one against Leeds with the clean sheet being wiped out. <laughs> and that was extremely painful for my team. We'll get into that later. Kind of sucked for me, too. Um, and then maybe the best match of the weekend, we had Brighton 3 and Brentford 3. That Paul and I watched this one very closely, and it was it was a lot of fun just to sit here, mm-hmm. take it all in, and enjoy the match. One so of the we, most fun games of the year, really, to just sit and watch as like a neutral. Yeah, it I was. Mean, somewhat it was neutral. Awesome. I mean, we both had a lot of FPL interest in it. So. We did, but you know, we're not fans of either side, per se. So mm-hmm. that was enjoyable for us. Um, and let's see. And then maybe another huge long-term impact from this weekend is we have Chelsea losing 2-0 to to Villa at home. And it comes out today that Graham Potter's been sacked. Yeah. Which I think we might dive into this a little bit more later on in the pod. Yeah, absolutely. I have a lot of thoughts. Um, So that that is interesting. And then today on Sunday we had West Ham 1-0 over Southampton. Big relegation points there for um, West Ham. And then we have also, you know, in the fight for Europe, we have Newcastle coming out 2-0 over Manchester United. Yeah. They were, um, that United-Newcastle game was also another one that was up and down. I think it was one of the one of the more f- fun games of the season so far. Agreed, yeah. I, I kind of missed out on the second half, but uh, it was definitely a lot of fun to watch the first half. And, you know, it. I hated it for my FPL purposes. At mm-hmm. least I didn't bring in someone like Fernandez or Rashford, and they blinked, so I'm okay with that. But um hoping to see a clean sheet in their next matchup um, whenever United play on Wednesday against Brentford. And just one thing I want to mention. Look, I think a couple of weeks ago on this podcast, I may have mentioned that Marcus Rashford was probably going to come back to reality a little bit. And Manchester United, also, they have come back to reality. They've kind of they were they were flying in the clouds and now they're they're maybe coming back down to earth. Yeah, I, I agree. I think for one thing we can point out there is Casemiro being gone. Oh yeah, that's a, a huge, huge, huge mess for team. them. You know, functionally the team has to set up completely. And we, as we talked about today, we saw Bruno dar- dropping a lot deeper in the first half with McTominay going forward. Right, and Bruno staying back. What an what an odd choice. Yeah, after his you know goal spree in the international window, it doesn't shock you, but you would think that Bruno would be well more well suited to being further further farther up the pitch. Yeah, so. I just I just don't understand. There's there's some things from this weekend. We can talk about this. But there's there's a Chelsea thing I have okay. about playing yeah. players in spots that I just don't agree with. Mm-hmm. But we we can talk about that later on when we talk about Potter. Um, 
Yeah, that was just a an odd performance from United. Like they just, I just, I just don't think they could match the intensity of Newcastle. Newcastle's been a very good side all season. No, I mean, I'm I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that it just seemed like Newcastle just, and I will say the crowd probably played a big part. The crowd was was phenomenal. And they they are very good for sure. It's you know it's the twelfth man as we would say here in the United States. Yeah, but I see here that. United, or I should say Newcastle, came out and they just wanted the match more. You could see, for example, mm-hmm. Saint Max playing on the left wing. He was spry. He was. He, he was great. He looked amazing. Right. That's the best he's looked since he's been back. Yeah, Easily. I completely agree. So him, um, question mark? Longstaff, <laughs> actually looked pretty good today. You know, I he actually I should reprimand that statement. He has looked increasingly better throughout the season. Mm-hmm. My Absolutely. take on him is off base, <laughs> and I, I would like to retract that publicly. We will admit when we get stuff wrong here at Top Bench for Twins. We, we will, will admit yes, it. For sure. And one thing that I will never fail to not admit is that I still do not like Bruno Fernandez. <laughs> I'm just openly going to say that. I'm 90, sorry. 95% of the football world agrees with you, so... Which I'm happy to hear. I it think is what it's it a, is. It's a good take. I think we all know. We are. I think we're all basically on the same page with Bruno. As long as you're not a Manchester City United fan, City I think is in the same boat as us. <laughs> yeah, City, I would City have to argue. Um, okay, but so let's wrap up this with a look ahead to what matches are going to occur on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday for the rest of mm-hmm. this game week. We have Everton and Tottenham on Monday, um, which will be hopefully a moment for my team to redeem itself a little bit. With Harry Kane playing, I'd like to see a couple goals from him. On Tuesday, we have Bournemouth and Brighton. Yeah. Leeds and Nottingham Forest, a really big relegation fight there. Yeah. Leicester City and Villa. And then Chelsea and Liverpool, which will be a lot of fun. Oh, well, man. I'm not even... Do you know who's going to be the interim coach for Chelsea? It's... Um, I don't know. He's bald. It, he was on the staff. Uh, I think he's, he's one of Potter's guys. There's okay. a portion of the staff that's staying behind. Apparently, it was... Um, very amicable split between Potter and the club, as much as it could be at this point. Okay, yeah. Well, that's good to hear. Um, so he'll he'll be there for the next ten games with part of, part of Potter staff, unless they appoint somebody. I imagine they will. Knowing yeah, you would think so. Bully's probably, you know, trying can, to. He, I think he's trying to jointly set up an all star game and also find a coach at the same time. So yeah, we we'll can, see which um, one he accomplishes. When we talk first. about Potter later on. We can discuss who we think maybe okay. sliding in or yeah. who we think should slide in. Let's but. sum up the remaining game. So on Wednesday we have West Ham against Newcastle, and then to conclude the game week we have Manchester United versus Brentford. All very entertaining matches. It'll be great to have these on. Watch them whenever mm-hmm. we can. And I think there's some pretty important FPL implications from these games. Oh, absolutely. A lot of people have doubled up. We all kind of get a second bite of the apple here. If our teams aren't performing the way we think, then maybe those you know risks we took, maybe they pay off a little more here in the second round of fixtures. So yeah. fingers crossed. There's still time. And I will be hoping that they do pay off. Me, me too, Luke. I'm there with you. Yeah. Um, okay, so I think that's going to cover our intro, Paul. Does that sound good? Yeah, that was, um, let's just dive into it after this. All right, sounds good. Well, we'll talk to you guys here in a second. All right. Welcome back to Top Bins with Twins. You got Luke and Paul here, and we're about to dive in. Let's dive in. To buy or sell. Go ahead, Paul. Lead the way. What What is your first buy of the week? Okay, so my first buy of the week, we kind of just discussed this earlier, like about five minutes ago we were talking about the Newcastle game. I think St. Max is looking like a Ooh, interesting. Good, like a really good FPL asset. Okay. Um. So looking at some of the numbers that I was crunching before the pod, Mm-hmm. He actually is leading this game week in expected assist. Yeah, I mean, if I, I really haven't dove too much into the numbers of, like what he's what he did from today, like the actual numbers of it. I'm just going on an eye test right here, right? And dude, he looked so dangerous attacking on that left side. I mean, it could have just been the matchup. It could have been, but him, him with Isak, the way they interplay. And him just constantly looking and probing, dude, the whole game, he was, I as we were watching the game, I told you in the first half, I was like, he is just constantly probing United's defense, looking mm-hmm. for weaknesses. And if he keeps attacking like that and can stay healthy, there's going to be goals and assists in abundance for him, especially if you look at their run over the next four games. We're talking, so Newcastle plays West Ham 
on the end of this 29 game game week, so we can't get them in. But then they play Brentford, Villa, Tottenham, Everton, Southampton over the next five. Yeah, that's pretty I mean, good. If you look at four of those games, I mean, those are very favorable fixtures for an attacker. Yeah, agreed. And I, mean, I think that's, that's the, the. But also a little caveat: we all we all know the the injury thing is always a concern with him. The injury bug is always niggling away. At yeah, St. Max, unfortunately. But I yeah. I do agree that's a great shout. Looking for one that I test, um, and then you know mm-hmm. statistically as well, leading the game weekend expected assist. He got in sixty nine minutes. You know that's a good amount of time. Gets one yeah. assist in that during that sixty nine minutes. Gets to the minutes for sixty. And with him looking spry and agile on the ball, you just you can see that creativity coming out, and mm-hmm. he he really unlocks a different dimension to that attack. He does. I think. Um, I think everybody should at least consider him as. I know there's a lot of good midfielders to invest in right now, but he may be a good also buzzword for Paul differential for everybody oh, out God. there <laughs> yes paul you love your differentials i love my differentials. i don't want to say how much you love them but it's a lot <laughs> all right like what's your um first buy of the week so my first buy of the week is actually going to be two players that i'm going to group together okay that i think depends on your team mm-hmm. and which one fits best and that's going to be either Jack Grealish or Kevin De Bruyne. Oh, dude, I was thinking about this earlier. That's that's awesome. So Jack Grealish looked incredible. Um, he was one of the top performers of the week. Frankly, I think you know he gets he gets a goal, he gets an assist, plays all ninety minutes, and frankly, his replacement Phil Foden is sidelined now for the at yeah. least the foreseeable future. Who knows how long oh, he's going to be out with the appendicitis. I saw on the, I mean, we know how this goes, but on the Premier League app, they have his expected date back of April 15th. Okay, so, I mean, that's, I, I think that's a little optimistic, frankly. Yeah, I, I was I mean, seeing people say a, a month, like that. a month would be, you know, perhaps the most optimistic, and this happened yeah. last week, so they might be a little, little undershadowing that, but... Jack Grealish, right? Looked really, really good. He got that goal against mm-hmm. Liverpool, a really big matchup for them. And I think this will be a good moment, a moment for him where he continues to build um, the way he carries the ball. I just, I love watching. Dude, he was, he too. was cooking. He was, he was yeah. absolutely cooking. And so and the other option that I tagged along with that is Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah. I think, you know, that De Bruyne's going to be in those really, really just top positions playing in balls that you know are going to test defenses and he was second in the game week for expected assist you know 0.95 yeah. he ended up getting an assist and he got a goal too so i think with him you have the you know assist potential especially with holland up front and then you also have the goal potential inversely too so someone that a lot of people might still have in their teams if they didn't make transfers and he's has a high percentage ownership but mm-hmm. Out of active managers in the top 100K, I don't think you're going to see him in teams very much. So he might be a really good differential option for those yeah. managers trying to you know, raise their rank really fast. So I have, um, I guess I can kind of, um, this is kind of picking back and off your idea here. Idea here, idea here like I can't, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I have a podcast and I can't talk. <laughs> we have a podcast and I can't talk. The I'll just kind of filter this into my second buy of the week. That I've just an idea. I'm not saying I'm going to do this, but an interesting idea here is Julian Alvarez. Okay, tell me more. So he ever all of the goals that City scored, especially the the second, the, was it the first one they scored, the one right out of the gate in the mm-hmm. second half. That ball he played out wide. Oh, it was. Yeah, he played that. So was that Mares? He played that too. Yeah, it was Mares because then Mares squared it to it KDB. To yeah. Like that ball was phenomenal. Was beautiful. But but yeah. another thing about that too is, which is kind of eroding at my point a little bit. But what was Liverpool's defense doing there? Like they're um, they're so high and there's there's no awareness of where everybody is but, on the pitch. But but but, I mean it's we Liverpool know this defense. is how Liverpool plays. They're gonna live and die by the sword. And sometimes they beat Manchester United, what was it, 8-0, 7-0. Yeah. Sometimes they lose to Bournemouth 1-0, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, sometimes they're on and it's going pod. well. We talk about it. it. Especially when they're not clicking, right? So yeah. it, there's there's a lot of things that could go wrong with how they play. But, but okay, so back to Alvarez. What else do you see with him that makes you think he's a good asset? The 
I mean, he's involved with everything. I mean, City kind of looked like their self from last year. Like with him in the quote unquote nine position with him, he's basically playing a false nine. Right. He looks so dangerous up top. But the thing about bringing Alvarez in is they have Erling Holland. <laughs> so right. I mean, I exactly. I'm tempted to. I think he would be an extremely viable asset if he had the minutes. Mm-hmm. And it, you knew there was consistent minutes coming because, I mean, he also was instrumental in the Gundo goal. Like, he gets the ball played to him from Mars in the middle, and he creates space, and then Trent clears it off the line. Right. Balls to Gundo, who finishes. I mean, he's involved with two of the, was it three goals they scored? Uh, they scored four. They scored four. But, I mean, he's yeah. di- almost directly involved with all those. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah. that's somebody that... I'm not maybe I'm not saying to buy it, but let's keep an eye out for Alvarez. If he can get into the starting lineup consistently. And we do. And but I don't know where he fits. Something like, that bolsters your take here is I think we'll kind of see some rotation with Holland up top. Yeah, because Champions of Champions League. League uh, you know, they've got yeah, a awesome. massive upcoming double against Byron. So we'll see how that goes. Um, mm-hmm. But we might see some Holland rotation. So yeah. maybe Alvarez is a good shot for that. Yeah, um, it's possible. I mean, it's just something to consider. What's your um, second buy of the week, Luke? My second buy of the week is a mega differential, and that is Dominique Solanke from Bournemouth. Mm. He was second in the league, and for this game week, I should say, in XG. Um, his mm, non-penalty XG was 1.68, ended up with one goal, and honestly, he's kind of their talisman up top. If you feel like if someone's going to get a goal, it's probably going to be him. Um, I mean, you really have to, f- like, for me, he, that's a terrible performance by Fulham. Yeah, no, I agree. They, that's terrible. Is that who they played? Yeah, it was Fulham. Yeah. Because Jedi right, sent yeah, Jedi two to the one, one off the screamer yeah, off the bar. They, they scored the first goal. I, I just feel like without Mitrovic, and I think William was banned as well, wasn't he? Yeah, From I think he's still, on, he's still on the red, right? Without both of them, they're really going to struggle to score goals. Yeah, agreed, sadly. So, you know, they're, maybe their European hopes are going to be crushed because of that one match. I hope not. I'm I really, really rooting for them to get up me there. Me too. It would be nice to see them make it to Europe. But you never know how these things are going to play out. Um, yeah. So, Solanke. But one of the main reasons why I say that I think that he's a great FPL asset is because of Bournemouth's run after mm-hmm. the after this match. I mean, they personally, I think they have the best run until the end of the Premier League season, mm-hmm. right? I think they've got some really nice fixtures. That it's a huge run for their season. I'll tell you that. Yeah, definitely. You know, they need to fight their way out of the bottom, avoid that relegation. But I think he's a mega differential. I mean, he had nine points this week. Uh, just someone to really consider because I think he's going to be explosive in the next, next coming matches. So yeah, that's that's what I think. Who is your final buy of the week, Paul? Um, well this this one goes somewhat without saying, but I'm just gonna play it dead on. I think Yisak. Okay. He looked. He had the two goal game. Was it two or three? It was two. Two. He had a goal and then a mm-hmm. penalty as well. And then if we look at Newcastle's run, it's kind of like that's kind of the team I'm going to be targeting going forward. Right. right. I mean, if you look, like I talked about with St. Max, it's Brentford, Villa, Tottenham, Everton, Southampton. It's a great run of games for their attackers. Isak's been directly involved. The only thing we have to worry about a little bit is rotation with Wilson. Yeah. But I mean, I think the underlining underlying numbers support what he's doing. And tell tell me if I'm wrong, but they're out of all of their competitions, right? It's only the Premier League for them still. Only the Premier League. Right. Okay. And if we look at it too, they, um, according to Ben Krellen's schedule, this has not been confirmed that I know of because the schedule may be a little old, maybe like a day or two. But in 36, we also have Newcastle doubling possibly against Leeds and Brighton. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, that is juicy for an attacker right there. It is, yeah. No, it, it, that one is away at Leeds, so we know at Ellen Road things can be a bit different. Yeah, so it's a fun atmosphere to be at, and really kind of just it can kind of change games. Mm-hmm. But I do see Newcastle being a good asset to look at for that. You know, yeah. game week thirty, you said thirty six. Yeah, I agree. I'm also gonna go with an option B, just okay. um, mm-hmm. for everybody out there that transferred out of Hall and bring it back in. Okay, you stole my option three B as well. Because I wanted to make that point of saying, make sure you get him back in. We all we all know, I got burnt earlier in the season. 
this dude's a machine. He literally feast on defenses. Get him back in. Do you think there's a universe where, you know, instead of consuming food, you just every goal is what sustains him through life? I mean, I feel like this is a possibly, realistic possibility. Possibly, I mean, yeah. this dude's a beast. He, oh gosh, I just there, there's so many things to be said about him: his strength, his speed, um, the way he thinks the game as well. It's just he's just a whole entire package. You know, it's yeah. going to be hard to. I don't know. I all I'm saying is I think get if, him back in. That's all we're saying. Get him back in. Get him back in, and I won't. I'll cut that point off. There's no need to go that far. Yeah, with it. get him back in. Okay, my final buy of the week. Mm-hmm. This one's a bit of a stretch, but. I think that Liverpool assets look really good after game week 30. Yep. Not the same thing. Exactly. Because they play Arsenal. So they have, they played city this week to round out this game week. They play Chelsea Mm -hmm. and play Arsenal at home. After that, they go Leeds, forced West Ham and then Tottenham and Fulham in a double. And then, but then it gets even better. Then they have right. Brentford, they have Brentford Leicester, Leicester, Villa, Villa. And Southampton to close out the year. So, I think personally, if you want to just buy a defender from Liverpool, maybe between Robertson or um, Trent, because they're going to get goal contributions at some point. It's just a matter if you have them in your team or not. Yeah. Right. And it's picking whichever one you prefer because. I, personally, I prefer Robertson. I brought him in this week. He did, you know, nothing came out of the Chelsea match, but I'm happy to have him for the next three weeks or so, or however long until mm-hmm. I wild card. Yeah, you just, you know, you're rolling the dice. You don't know what you're going to get within the season, but you do know that if they're playing well, those two are going to be in really good positions. Yeah, and should hopefully be getting goal contributions along I with maybe with the possibility of a clean sheet. So um, maybe Nunez will come back into people's minds at some point. Um, Salah will always yeah. always be there. So I mean, those he, got, he got me a goal contribution this week. So he, hell yeah! Somehow I somehow that was against the run of play of the entirety of the match. But at that time, not as much. I'll take it though. We take those points willingly. Yeah, I know you will for sure. Hell yeah, we want those points. Um, um, okay, well maybe we'll move to sells here. Yeah. Um, for me, my number one sell right now. I'm just going based on my team is getting rid of um, my Brentford defender and goalkeeper. You're going to get rid of Raya after that performance? Possibly. I, I think more so defender, like Ben Me. I just think there's better assets out there for from a defender perspective. Okay, yeah, and that's true, right? I, I do agree with that. There's, I mean, if, if you look... so I, I mean, think keeping Raya would be a good idea. Raya, possibly. But, I mean, if you look, I mean, they play Newcastle in 30, Wolves in 31, that's a fine matchup. And then they play Villa, Chelsea. Like, those two matchups I do not like. And then they go Force, Liverpool. I, I, I don't see many clean sheets in Brentford's future. Yeah. No, I, I feel what you're saying there. I just that don't. That makes sense. Yeah. So I, I think I'm ready to move on from those assets. They were in my team for the doubles, and honestly, they really haven't played out very well anyways. So I think it's kind of just time to cut the cord with those. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I I agree with that one, frankly. I think that's a good call there. Mm-hmm. Um, so what about you, Luke? Who's your first sell of the week? My first sell of the week. I honestly think that maybe James Madison. Oh, damn it. That's what I was going to say for my second one. Right? Because I think, for one, he's an amazing player. and mm-hmm. But the team that he's on, you cannot expect his teammates to capitalize on the chances he puts them in. Yeah. he. I'm, I mean, the one that just flashes to my mind immediately is he plays in this beautiful ball to, what was it, Amarte, who is yeah. six inches away from the goal, and he manages to head the ball over the crossbar. That's why Lester's probably going down. Shocking, shocking. We'll see who they bring in and how they set up. But I really think that maybe it's time for Madison to kind of fall out of the picture. I don't know. People are always going to have him because of his potential. Yeah. But I just worry that maybe there's other F- better FPL assets out there. And I think he's so. in my team right now. So it's something that I really have to think about and yeah. play co- pay close attention to see who gets appointed and how they're going to set up Lester. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think my second sell, questionably, mm-hmm. I'm also 
more like this isn't I wouldn't phrase this as a sell, maybe just placing a stop loss on it, you know, to the point where I may have to sell the asset if it reaches a certain level is Ch- our Chelsea attackers. Okay. Mm-hmm. So in my case, Joe Felix, it's we're we're gonna have to see what happens with the new manager or with the interim manager for now and then maybe a new manager. But I I really think Chelsea made a mistake firing Potter at this point. It does feel like that. I, I think what this is it's reactions. Is fan pressure. They're Which responding no to what the people what the fans are saying. And I think in a different universe you give Graham Potter the rest of the season, you give him a summer to build into it. Yes. And I think Chelsea come into the new season looking like a really good team. He he's proven he's a great manager. It's just him adapting and being able to handle the pressure of being a top-tier manager. Look, you realize that since, I'm just going to, in the last five years since Christian Pulisic's been at Chelsea, there's been, in the last four years since he's been there, there's been five managers. Yeah, that's right. Paul and I, being the elite high school athletes we were, we went through three um, high school basketball coaches in the span of four years, and that that yeah. alone was difficult. So I can't imagine being a professional and yeah. um, having these managers rotate in and out Man, even more so than we did. So I probably could have been a D1 basketball player if I would have had the same head coach. Yeah, and years. you know, if you grew maybe like seven inches. Yeah, and if I wouldn't suck in high school. <laughs> no, maybe we'll do a podcast about that over the summer. And <laughs> we, we could, we could. That would be funny. Talk about our basketball exploits back in yeah. high school. Maybe, maybe you all would enjoy that one. Yeah, but kind of back to the Potter situation, I think I have a a lot to talk about this luke yeah go ahead let's let's hear what you think so like but, i said uh, uh, let's we're going to conclude buy or sell there okay um and we'll just move into kind of talking about the chelsea segment here so go okay. ahead Paul. okay so for me like i said with potter i think it was rash to fire him but i can see why the Chelsea board was extremely dissatisfied with what he was doing as a coach. Like I, I think Potter was a coach of the level where he can, he could have stayed at Chelsea. He could have got a good run of fixtures going and things could have kicked off and it could have been successful. He could have had a good tenure there. But when we look at like, like look, look where Reese James was playing in this last game. He was playing as a center back. He was playing as a right was, center back. He was when playing you have, as their center back. When you have Loftus Cheek playing a right wing back, tell me how that makes sense. I did not understand that. And one. you have the amount of center backs. I, I I don't know their depth chart. I don't know exactly who was hurt. But why do you have Reese James? It makes honestly, it makes no fucking sense. Another. It's it's so wasteful. That that's literally like having LeBron James and playing him and not playing him. Yeah. Like yeah, it, like I it's agree. such a waste of talent. Like he's he's one of the most talented. It's like here, the here's brilliant. the best analogy. It's like having Luka Doncic and making him playing off the ball. Fair, right? Okay, you're, that's, you're playing that's him a, exactly that's out that's of his good. skill set mm-hmm. that does not suit him, and it, it just it's not conducive to getting the best end result. I, yeah. I think this kind of ties into another point I wanted to make about Potter. That's been one of the main bones I've wanted to pick with him. Watching. Mikhailu Mudrik, when he was at Shakhtar Donetsk, right? He was an explosive, insanely just... He, he was so much fun to watch play. Yeah. And you could Dynamic. tell upon watching him that, A, he was young. There was a lot of growing he needed, he needed to do, but he is explosive player that's going to be a top-tier talent one day once, so, once it clicks mentally. And my issue with him is he basically just threw him to the wolves initially. You know, you bring I him mean, in... And he, I think he, I don't even, frankly, I don't think he should have been starting any matches this season, right? Like give him that time in training to build up to the pace, sub him on here and there selectively so he can, so he can learn. But he, I just didn't think he was a player that was immediately ready for that starting role. And that's the pressure that got put on him by, I mean, having him start within the first five matches that he's there. So I, I kind of disagree, Luke, about about that analogy of like what he did with Shakhtar. I mean, that league is so different. It's a completely different well, level I, than the Premier League. I'm going to be honest. I didn't watch any Ukrainian league matches. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like I, I mean, watched him like, in Champions League against other top-tier teams, you know, top teams in Europe. And he's looking like the best player on the pitch against these seasoned veterans. Yeah. And that's why he stood out to me. Because he was doing that against top-tier competition where – 
the pace of the game is very similar to what it's like in the Premier League. Yeah. Maybe not as physical. And that could be a big reason why he's struggling. Yeah. But he was playing really high-quality teams in those matches that I watched. And I was impressed in him as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, it. I think it, it's kind of like when we dive into, like, the tactics, the where people are playing, having a team that is more fluid, you change your shape, you kind of adapt to to different game models that kind of leads to problems like if we look at arsenal we know what we're getting with arsenal Mm -hmm. we know exactly everybody and that's the thing every player in arsenal system knows exactly where they're supposed to be they know exactly what they're doing because that's what they always do and there's something to be said for that and with chelsea i think you see so much rotation i think you see different you see changing shapes you see players playing multiple games within different positions and moving around so much that you can't really build that cohesion, and that's that's what we see with Arsenal. I think last year they were building for this year because they were playing the same people, the same position, same shape, and they were building that team cohesion. They were building the ability to know where people are going to be without looking. And I, I think now what that does is it allows them to go and selectively bring in players mm-hmm. like Trissard, yep. who they can just plug in and play, and it's it's not to the detriment of the team. Yeah. It's adding to the team, so right? and that's that's yeah. the thing with this with Chelsea is they bought all these players, and now it's like okay, go figure it out. When you have no identity, you have a coach who mm-hmm. is known for being so. What's the best way? Like just he, he's amorphous in everything that he does. Yeah, right? he changes shapes all the time. He kind of rotates players a little bit here and there. It's not gonna fit bringing in when you when you don't even know who your best players are. Yeah. So I think, frankly, Graham Potter was put in a position where he was probably going to fail nine times out of yeah, ten. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it just it was not the right place and not the right time for him to make that jump. Yeah, the I think this also speaks to issues with Chelsea's management on their board and also Todd Bowley. Like, there has to be a plan. You have to have people in the place that can make the right decisions. And he's winging it. He's trying to figure it out. But I mean. Now they have a supporting director. I mean, this summer, I mean, they were just throwing money. Like, it was it was literally like a kid going to a candy shop, you know? Yeah, I, I don't know what they were trying to accomplish with all the signings. You know what? You know, honestly, Luke, this kind of, I'm going to make an analogy to Kentucky basketball. This makes, this kind of speaks to John Calipari a little bit. He sees all these shiny toys of all these players playing AU basketball, this stuff, but he never builds a team. Like, yeah. th- there's not a cohesive body. And also, his system sucks, too. <laughs> We're not going to dive into that because this is a soccer podcast, not a basketball podcast. Yeah. But there, there's analogies to that where, I mean, when you want to put a team together that's going to win, it has to be a cohesive body that plays well together I, and is dynamic and moves as a unit, you know? Right. And the most confounding part of this from a upper management perspective when looking at them, right? The sides that do it right, it's so clear what they're trying to do. You look at Arsenal. They mm-hmm. selectively brought in the people they wanted that fit their system, yeah, and they could play together. Look at Newcastle. They are slowly bringing Newcastle's in players doing well. but also that we, fit their system. So we do have to mention, too, that I mean Arsenal, for a long time, constantly got it wrong. Okay, yes. Let me, constantly let me, got it wrong, okay, and now they're getting was, it right. This was a point that I did not make that I should have just now. I think when you pick the right manager that is building the system that you can build around, for lack of a better word, (laughs) that's what allows you to go and selectively grab these players that fit perfectly. If you don't have that vision of this is how we want to play, then you're you're just buying players to buy them and hoping that it fits. Right, so yeah. in all these clubs where it's working and everything's cohesive and building in the right direction, there's a reason why that's happening because someone had that vision, and Chelsea just does not have that vision right now. Yeah, the one of the big things to me too is like what you mentioned about trusting a manager, finding somebody that has the vision to do to perform to build a team like that. Is I mean you have to have patience too as as a club. If you really believe in this person, which I don't know why you'd hire somebody you don't believe in, 
you have to trust them. You have to give them time to grow, time to grow into the role, time to be comfortable with the club. And I, I don't think that's a process that happens overnight. No, it's not. You have to build that. And I feel if if I were Potter, I'd feel like there's a couple games probably that could have gone either way in his tenure. And honestly, another thing to me, if, if I'm a Chelsea fan, and I was rational, but most Chelsea fans aren't, but if we look at that, I mean, you have a Champions League clash coming up against Real Madrid in the next month. I don't know. Is it like April like 5th, 20th, something and like keep, that? And keep talking, and I'll update but the like having this Champions League matchup come up, I don't want an interim manager coaching that game. I want somebody that's been there, that's been in that system, and that's coached matches to that level. Yeah, I agree. To I, I think it's a rash decision. I think it's a bad decision. I think um, at least at least let him play out the year. Okay, Paul. So it is not a month off. Chelsea play Real Madrid. On Wednesday the twelfth. The twelfth? Yes. Oh, so that's so like it is it is a week and a half away. Yeah, that's right around the corner. That's that's bad. Yeah. So I don't know what their plan is for that <laughs> one, but maybe they just wanna, you know, try to turn it into a nil nil and then you know, focus on the second leg. I don't I don't know what their plan is. Yeah, I this I I don't see it playing out well for him. Uh, I don't either, frankly. Um, do you do you have anything else on Chelsea? Do you want to maybe highlight um, some managers that you think would be a good fit? I think the most rumored one right now is Nagelsmann, but I think he's kind of going to be a lot of the same of what Potter does. Like he's he's kind of fluid as a manager. He likes to change shape. So, do you? I have a suggestion actually. Yeah. I haven't looked at any of the rumors or Yeah, Nagelsmann's number one right now, um, from what I've heard. That that kind of makes sense. Um mm-hmm. I would actually really like if Pochettino yeah. went to Chelsea. I mean he has the Champions League experience. He has the pedigree of a top tier manager. Mm-hmm. He has coached in the Premier League before. Um and he's a very progressive manager in the way that he he likes his teams playing up pace, up tempo, attacking, um, pressing a lot. I would love to see this Chelsea team play that way. Mm-hmm. You know, get some easy goals. Kind of like picturing like Liverpool um, with the with the threat of the wing backs that they have, where they can play yeah. back four, and then from there, I mean, just look at the talent they already have. Right? I mean, like, it's 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 such a deep squad. I think they kind of they have to trim the fat in the summer. They and they will. I hopefully have to. Let's manifest Cristiano Pulisic to Newcastle United. <laughs> I knew that was going to come up. Please, please make it happen, football gods. Possibly, I think that's maybe. a good move for him. I mean, um, so you know, Pochettino. Maybe we'll see what happens. It probably yeah. won't fit. Probably won't end up happening. Maybe Pochettino will go back to Spurs. I doubt that one. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens. I don't know. There's there's a lot in the air right now. Um. Do we want to add another segment, like, or cut cut this one off? Um, let's go ahead and cut this one off, and then we might come back and kind of talk about um, the upcoming run for Manchester mm-hmm. City and Arsenal to see how this title um, challenge is going to pan pan out eventually. All right. Well, we'll be back in a couple minutes. Then. All right. Thanks. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Two top ends with twins. So we're going to do a brief little segment here. I'm kind of comparing the future fixtures for Manchester City and Arsenal, given that they're in this really tight title race. And then maybe, as we've talked about earlier, see if there are really any big FPL um, takeaways that we can you know, see from this pure head. Spoiler, Erling Holland. <laughs> Erling Holland, yes, the man and the machine. The Norwegian miracle. He he's incredible. So okay, so let's look at the fixtures that both these teams have upcoming. In game week thirty, we have Manchester City going away to Southampton, and then we have Arsenal playing Liverpool, and that is away at Liverpool. I think mm. this one is a trap game. I don't. I wouldn't even consider that a trap game. Look, I think that's um, no. I okay. So. In that's, in the degree that's a documented a hard game it is, but in the degree that a place city for them to drop just, points, city just demolished Liverpool. 
people are going to be looking at them being like, oh, well, Arsenal might even be better than City. I don't think this is going to be too difficult. I think I honestly could see Liverpool coming away with three points here. Yeah, I mean, at home, I think it's a... To me, that game is a test, a massive test for Arsenal. Mm-hmm. But I'm this year. I'm never betting against Arsenal against Liverpool. I'm I'm just not. Yeah, I, I think I, I see your point. But I Arsenal are going to be the odds-on favorite. But I will be very skeptical of those odds. Is what I'm trying to say here, right? I, I understand I think, what you're saying, but you know, it it'll be a very tough match for them if they ended up sharing points or even dropping all three. I wouldn't be shocked. And yeah. I would be utterly shocked if City dropped three against Southampton with the form that but, Southampton had. Um, do you remember who beat City earlier in the year? I do. I do. Southampton but I did. do not think that's going to happen. I mean, they surprised them and probably honestly made City's run easier. Was it the, I think it was the FA Cup they knocked them out of. Yeah, I believe so. That To me, that's that was probably a gift in disguise for City because then you keep people healthier, you play less games. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. No, I, I for, agree. for the Premier League, it probably makes things simpler for Pep, too. So let's look at the next fixture. In game week 31, Manchester City play Leicester at home, and then Arsenal play West Ham away. Mm-hmm. So second matchup away for Arsenal here. Back-to-back weeks, I think this is going to – honestly, I think we'll see both teams getting three points here. Yeah. So at this point, I think if things play out to where City win – both those fixtures and Arsenal win one of the two. Mm-hmm. That'll have what City being five points behind Arsenal, I yes. believe. Yep, got it. So that you know tighter race there. And then in game week thirty-two, City already have this fixture postponed. They're playing Brighton, and I think I think they still are at the FA Cup. City is, so yeah. that's why that is postponed. Yeah, and then Arsenal plays Southampton at home in thirty-two. So realistically. Say Arsenal went out, they could go into the matchup against City being 11 points ahead. Yeah. Which, Which is, is, is a, as somewhat neutrals, we want to see a closer race. So, I mean, it's different because City still have a game in hand. They actually, I think they have two at that point. So, right now so they have one game in hand. As of now, they have one game in hand. Mm-hmm. So, Arsenal okay. played 29 and City have played 28. Okay. Well, okay. Yes. So, that one in hand will not have been scheduled yet. And then they'll also have this game 32 in hand. So yeah. they will have two in hand going into game week 33. Yes. If that makes sense. Yeah. So, you know, it's going to be a massive fixture. If City go, if Arsenal go into Manchester and they come away with three points, I think, you know, we can say that's that's going to be really difficult may, for City to bounce back. It may be cooked. Yeah, maybe barbecue chicken, and it kind of depends on where City's at in Champions League as well. If they've dropped out, you know, I I think they'll be pushing everything for the title, mm-hmm. but it might be too late at that point. Yeah. So, and then following that week in game week thirty four, we have City playing Fulham away, and then Arsenal playing Chelsea at home. Mm-hmm. Both difficult matchups, and I could see both teams maybe dropping points here. Maybe even I, more so Arsenal against Chelsea. Yeah, just with the rivalry there, and you know how much is going to be on the line, and we'll see. Maybe Chelsea's playing better by that time. You never know. Possibly. Yeah. Um. So you know that's kind of just the brief overview here. I think we would all love to see a really tight race. A lot of people are going to be cheering for Arsenal. It's been it's been a long time since they've been in this position. So it's you know we've got a couple friends who are really big Arsenal fans as well. So for their sake, I'd love to see it. But then we also have city friends as well. So, <laughs> yeah, shout out Kyle. Um, Luke, real quick, I think we're probably about to wrap this podcast up. Yeah. But uh, let's hear what three teams you think are going to go down this year. Oh, let I'm me put you on the spot. Uh, you want to give my three first? You go first. Let me pull up the table. Okay. So as of right now, for everybody, we have Southampton at the bottom with twenty three points, and it can go up to basically Wolves at thirteen with twenty eight. So there's seven teams that are bunched together by five points. And if we look at the schedule, there's actually a lot of these teams that are playing each other. Yeah. So there's going to be mm-hmm. absolute chaos and carnage at the bottom, which, which like as we talked about Arsenal and City, there's a possibility Arsenal could just run away with the league. So we're going to have – let's not act like there's not going to be excitement and stuff going on in the Premier League if, if, the, t- if the title race is goes to shit – because we're going to have a ton of entertainment 
with the bottom of the league. I mean, to me, if I had to pick three teams I think that are going down, I I think the bottom three right now look like maybe the most viable candidates. Interesting. Interesting. You, Everton, I don't, I'm don't believe in them. on that one. I, I do not. Be, let me tell you, Leicester, they could get a new manager bounce depending on who comes in. But Southampton looked bad. Leicester looked bad. West Ham and and Wolves also. I mean, like I don't believe in them. But West Ham do West have, Ham have two, two games in hand right in now, hand, which is big. So they're probably going to get out of the relegation zone. Maybe. But I mean, also Leeds. Leeds look they're they're teetering right now. They they are. I th- but you know they got a big three points against Wolves. They did. And then but they go and face Arsenal. And that that's difficult. Okay, so what I'm trying to, I think my overarching takeaway, mm-hmm. I think there's going to be probably at Bournemouth. least six teams. That's not, the, <laughs> I'm going a different direction here. At least six teams that are going to be in the midst of the relegation fight mm-hmm. down to the last day. Yeah. I don't see mm-hmm. any of these teams, I don't see enough of them differentiating themselves to the point Ooh. of where they separate and get away from the pack. Yeah. So I think we're we're going to be watching this till the very end of the season to really figure out what's going to happen. With that being said, I can see Southampton very easily going down. Yeah, I think I think we can both easily Southampton for sure. I also see Wolves going down, frankly. Hmm. They they've put in some good performances, but I don't believe I think don't. they lack that that reliability on both sides of the ball. Mhm. And then, I mean, I'm changing mine to Bournemouth. I think I think Bournemouth. Bour- I don't think it's Bournemouth. I think that they put in good performances, and I think they have a great run of fixtures. I think they're going to find a way to stay up. I honestly could see Crystal Palace going down. I don't know. They were Big very, very, very lucky to get three points this week. And if we're sitting here looking at this table with them with two less points, I think they'd be, you know. I don't know. It's their first win in so long that I just, I can see Crystal Palace being in the very midst of the fight for relegation. So yeah, I, mean, I see them moving down the table a little bit. There's two spots that are going to be fought for. Uh, Southampton are going down. With, yeah. Without yeah. any, without any crazy things happening, without James Ward Prowse turning into messy or anything like that. There, if you, it, the stats, the goal differential just talks. I mean, they can't win games. They they're on twenty nine games played total, right? And yeah. they're at the bottom clearly. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, to me, that's a cl- like they're. I think most the odds are the highest of Southampton going down. I I agree. I I see that as well. But you know, on the bright side, we've got Chelsea in eleventh with thirty eight points, so they're pretty much out. They're pretty much in safety. <laughs> You know, all Chelsea fans can rest easy tonight and feel oh, no, rest assured that they're, not. they're probably not going to get relegated. So, yeah, there is a bright side to all the misery that you're feeling right now if you're mm-hmm. a Chelsea fan. Um, yeah. Okay, so we'll see what happens. But okay, just so we have this for certain, Paul, you think the current bottom three is Southampton, um, um, Leicester, and Everton, or do you think Bournemouth? And who do you uh, think? Let's hear it. Write it in stone right now. I'm going to alter mine a little bit. For my final judgment, I think Southampton for sure. I think Bournemouth for sure. And I'm teetering between. I don't. I don't want to say it, but I think Leeds may be going down. Okay. Which which. Uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually I'm gonna change. It. I'm gonna go Wolves. I I think Leeds have enough attackers where they're gonna get goals and they'll be able to get out. But it's it's if you're a Leeds fan, I'd be scared right now. Yeah. That, Last year, yeah. I think they had momentum going in the right direction towards this time of the year, and right now, I just you don't see it. I don't like. I I don't see it. So I don't m- want them to. I don't my, think they're going to. But there's a chance. My relegation three that I'll pick for me are going to be <laughs> <laughs> sorry, okay, Mr. Poet. <laughs> Couldn't help that one. Uh, sorry. So I'm definitely have Southampton going down. I'm going to have Wolves going down as well. Those two I feel pretty sure about. Yeah. It, it just gut feeling, that's what I see. The third one, I'm going to stick with my prediction that I said earlier in this segment. 
I'm gonna say Palace. Crystal Palace. Yeah. I, I think that the goals I don't see where they're coming from. And defensively, I see a lot of holes. Yeah. And so look a little um something for all our all our listeners out there. On the very last match day, we're gonna have Bournemouth playing Everton and also Crystal Palace playing Nottingham Forest. That's those could be huge games, like kind of like the lead situation last year. Yeah. Those are gonna be fun games to watch. And there's also okay. Leicester versus West Ham. Yeah. That's gonna be fun. If you look at who is uh who plays Liverpool? Southampton plays Liverpool on the last day of the week. So Ouch. do Wolves. Wol- so Wolves play Arsenal. Ouch. On the last yeah, that that does not look good for Wolves. Is that one at you said at Arsenal? I, I don't I can't see the schedule where it is. I'm just looking up Ben Crellons. It just says a matchup. Okay, keep going, I'll tell you in a second. Yeah, the <laughs> having that's that's a lot to ask. Ha- playing them on the last day. I that's think they I think one. they play Arsenal at home. They, no, no, they play away <laughs> to the, at the Emirates. <laughs> so which, which if if we get a title race and they're going to yes. be absolutely hammered on the last day by Arsenal. Yeah, so. we'll, you know, quick prayers up for Wolves fans there if they're in that situation cuz that's yeah. going to be a difficult one to That is. chisel out some points from. Yeah, well, um you got closing thoughts? I do. I think it's it's been a very fun start to this massive double game week, and I'm very optimistic that my team's going to come through. I didn't even share my team with you all. So what we'll do is we'll put our teams out on Twitter so you all can see where we're yeah. at. Follow us on social. How many points we have. Um, and also let's give a shout-out to our Instagram page that was just started. Yeah. We're um, p- going to be putting be some good content, content out there, there and um, we're excited for you guys to see all that. So um, be on the lookout for that. Yeah, guys, I just want to, once again, thank everybody for listening. It's been a, I think this has been a good podcast, kind of getting more FPL driven after last week of the USMNT overload that we dropped. We, oh, yeah. we, we rambled mm-hmm. for a while on that one, but I think it was good rambling. It was. It was good rambling. It but was, yeah. Yeah, and for FPL, all our FPL owners out there, just keep an eye out on these teams, the forms they're in. We got a blank coming in 32. So just be aware of that. Um, there's also doubles in the future. I don't know how many chips everybody has left, but let's use those wisely. Yeah, agreed. I think I have one concluding thought yep. for everyone. You got it and wrap it. If Pep Guardiola was a villain, what villain would you give him the name of? So think on that. Tweet us your best answer, and maybe we'll give you a shout-out on the next pod. So that's possible. We could easily do that. Yeah, we can definitely do that. Okay, well, give us your best ideas, and that'll be it for us this week. So thanks for listening, and have an amazing rest of week. Thanks, everybody.